Hi, welcome or welcome back to the Outlook Podcast. My name is Naomi. I just wanted to take these few seconds to thank each and every one of you for the love and support since the first two episodes of the podcast we uploaded last week. I did not take it for granted. Thank you so much for the reviews, the comments. Uh, thank you so much for listening in and sharing the podcast on social media and your friends and family. There's been over 100 plays since the first two episodes were uploaded and I'm so grateful. <clears throat> and if you're listening in, this is your first time. Thank you so much. Please make sure you subscribe to this podcast and you'll be notified whenever a new episode drops. Today we have another amazing conversation with our guest, my friend Imanmo. So I'll allow him to introduce himself and thereafter we will get right into today's conversation. Thank you so much, Nomi. Um, my name is Imanom Kambo. I'm a fifth-year medical student at the Copper Belt University, um, where I'm doing a bachelor's degree in medicine and surgery. So I'm also a, a member of the Cortex Club at the Copper Belt University, which is a neuroscience uh, club that uh, raises awareness uh, on issues concerning mental health as well as uh, brain health. So um, um, I consider myself a neuroenthusiast, and uh, I'm interested in everything that is brain-related. So, yeah. Amazing. Okay, so our plan today is to actually talk about mental health, mostly because also I actually found out that this month is, is it suicide? Suicide, yeah. What, suicide prevention mm-hmm. day? Yes, 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 yes. So I thought like, I mean, why not talk about mental health and just raise awareness on mental health and actually, and the topics that relate to mental health. So what is mental health, Imano? Yeah, um, I absolutely think this is a very timely um, topic to be talking about, especially just like you said, uh, we are currently in the World um, Suicide Prevention Month. And just yesterday was uh, World Suicide Prevention Day. And yeah, so definitely this is a very timely um, topic. So uh, mental health, according to the World Health Organization, is uh, a state of well-being in which an individual realizes his or own abilities is able to work productively and they're also able to you know like work fruitfully and add positively to their um to their community so it is not necessarily just uh, the absence of a mental disorder that you know like you can tell that this individual actually has uh, you know like some condition with their mind or with yeah with their mind uh, that you can actually tell that this is a you know mental health or a, a mental health issue but then it's actually much more beyond just uh, you know the, the the mental disorder that we uh, see in uh, particular individuals. So in addition to that, um, I think it's also important that we highlight what mental illness is. So mental illness is um, a disturbance or a disruption in an individual's um, you know ability with, with regards to their behavior, uh, their emotions as well as their their cognition. So that's like the ABCs. So their aff- affect or their affection their behavior as well as their um, their cognition. So when we talk about the affect, we are referring to, you know, like how an individual regulates their emotions. When you talk about cognition, we're talking about, you know, um, how an, indiv- an individual is able to, you know, like organize their thoughts and actually, you know, uh, execute critical thinking and high executive planning and all those things. So um, it's it's regarded a mental illness when an, when an individual's ability to actually do these things is significantly impaired. And uh, lastly, uh, I think, so uh, mental health is actually a broad spectrum. So there are so many things with regards to mental illness and uh, mental health and mental illness. So there are things like anxiety and personality disorders and so many things. But I think one uh, aspect that is uh, very important for us to actually talk about is uh, depression. So uh, 
clinical depression by definition is a, a state of a low mood or a low mood state that is persistent and is associated with things like um, a, a loss of interest in in uh, you know like activities that an individual was uh, initially finding uh, you know like interesting and stuff, which is actually called anhedonia or what I like calling quite quitting. So for you know like for clinical depression, it you actually need to have like a uh, a certain cluster of symptoms for someone to you know actually be stated or be for act for you to actually you know um, substantiate that someone has you know has clinical depression because simply because an individual has you know like is feeling low for say a few days does not necessarily mean that they are actually depressed. So there's uh, a criteria that uh, is used for you know for establishing that these individuals have uh, depression and these individuals do not have depression. Maybe they're just experiencing a low mood state and those things. So yeah. Nice. Um, I love that he's actually highlighted the uh, about <coughs> about clinical depression because that's what our main focus is going to be for today. So I wanted I wanted him to just I want you to just talk about like the trends and the statistics that are happening right now. I think for now, like I think we have we already have information in our hands already. Like social media already shows us how much people are dying and they are committing suicide because of depression and whatnot. So. How I just wanted I want you to, to just take us through the statistics of um the trains that are happening right now. All right. Um thank you very much. So <clears throat> maybe before I can talk about the trains, allow me to just, you know, like highlight slightly on now uh, the criteria, the diagnostic criteria I was talking about with regards to <coughs> establishing uh, um a diagnosis of depression. So um it is known as the DSM five, which is a diagnostic and statistical manual for depression. So uh, according to this criteria, you need a cluster or rather a minimum of five symptoms under a cluster of symptoms that have been um, that have been set or that have been established for you to actually have uh, for you to be said to have uh, depression. Mm -hmm. So you need things such as, uh, you know, a persistently low mood state. You need things like anhedonia, which is like a loss of interest in things that an individual is initially finding interesting. You need things like um, uh, sleep disturbances or a Sorry, sorry, not you need, but yeah, an individual yeah. <laughs> actually has to, you know, um, exhibit things like uh, sleep disturbances, appetite disorders, um, agitation and other things. So if an individual has at least or rather a minimum of five of these symptoms or signs and they've been persisting for like f uh, a minimum of uh, two weeks, which is like 14 days, then uh, it's it actually it's substantiated that uh, the person has clinical depression. So with regards to... Um, Global trends. Um, you know, I think I would have to say ahead of time that the you know the the statistics are very very alarming yeah. because um, the the numbers are actually very very high, especially when we you know like compare to other conditions that are you know like that we that are a, that are already a public concern. So um, approximately two hundred and eighty million people worldwide are you know have depression that is clinically established. And I think that's a very, very significant number. And among these, um, the the most affected uh, gender is actually um, females. Females are actually much more affected with uh, clinical depression or de depression that is clinically uh, qualified than than males actually are. So um, between two thousand and between two thousand and five and twenty fifteen, there's uh, there's actually uh, according to studies uh, and statistics revealed by the World Health Organization. There was uh, an increase of about eighteen percent um, in in depression. So 
the number of people who were, um, or rather the percentage of the people that were actually afflicted by depression increased by 18% just between 2005 and 2015. And when you look at this, this was um, approximately seven years ago. And, you know, like considering the fact that there have been things like COVID and those things. So we actually, you know, like uh, foresee a situation where um, these numbers have actually, yeah, they've, they've actually increased compared to how it was. And then when you look at... Um, Suicide uh, specifically, which is usually the end result in most cases of, uh, you know, like depression specifically. We have approximately 700,000 people who are afflicted, who, or rather who end their lives by, you know, by, by suicide, which is, when you actually look at it in context, that's like uh, one person, like one person dying every 40 seconds. So we've, we've, I don't know this, I, I don't know how long this podcast has been, but I think it's been like a few minutes mm-hmm. and maybe we can say, so we can, we can say approximately, uh, I don't know how many, I don't know the math here, but <laughs> over, over six people have died. Mm-hmm. So this should actually, you know, uh, give us a highlight or a hint into how serious this actually is. And then to put it into perspective, so um, suicide or rather the number of people that die by suicide, they're actually more compared to the number of people who die from malaria than the number of people who die from breast cancer or the number of people who die from war or homicide. So this actually tells you how, you know, like how serious this actually is. And um, yeah, and when you actually bring it into context, you know, like when you, oh wait, uh, under suicide actually, uh, it's, I think it's, it's also important for us to notice that uh, clinical, clinically, we are seeing that uh, women are actually at a high risk of, uh, you know, about two times uh, their risk of uh, having clinical depression is like two times compared to that of men or males rather. But uh, males are actually more likely to commit suicide than we, than females actually are, and uh, yeah, forty. And so, according to like twenty sixteen st- statistics that were released by the World Health Organization, approximately uh, one thousand and fifteen individuals committed suicide in Zambia, and out of these, um, approximately two hundred and ninety four were females, and seven hundred and twenty four were males. On that. So that's yeah, that's it shows you. So, yeah, it, sh- it should have been two hundred and ninety, actually two hundred and ninety-one females and seven hundred and twenty-four males who you know who actually committed. So that that tells you something about you know like the yeah all these statistics and how they eventually how clinical depression eventually ends. So um so bringing it home like how how exactly is the you know like the clinical depression landscape and yeah basically the landscape in Zambia. So um so clinical depression ranks second when it comes to like uh, neuropsychiatric conditions uh only ranking two or only ranking second uh with respect to um, mental health issues associated with alcohol abuse and um, uh, drug abuse so that also tells you like how serious of a case it is because um of the issues of uh, you know like how serious already the issue of uh, alcohol abuse and uh, and uh, drug abuse is and depression actually just ranks uh, second in in line with that and um so for like some cases and some reports that were made from the uh, from the highest um health institution in Zambia the university teaching hospital um there's uh like depression there was like a 34% uh, um rate of depression and um for most of these, you know, like self harm, self harm uh, uh, cases that were report that have been reported to, um, you know, like to the UTH casualty department, most of these uh, cases are due to, you know, like 
individuals who were depressed there's like history of depression so most individuals that report maybe there was like it's a parasuicide case maybe like someone who survived suicide it's because they're depressed or maybe someone who like did a self-mutilation on themselves maybe like cutting themselves it's usually because of depression so this just um uh, substantiates or rather tells us or gives us an idea of how serious this actually is and then um, in addition to this, when you actually look at uh, depression in Zambia, for example, we also have issues like, you know, HIV and AIDS. Mm -hmm. We have things like TB, which are important auxiliary factors that, you know, propagate mortality or rather that propagate, you know, like uh, death as well as the whole uh, disease issue or the whole illness issue of um, depression. So, um, yeah, when you talk about HIV, so females, for example, who are HIV positive, uh, at like four times risk of you know developing depression compared to females who are not uh, HIV positive or rather who are HIV negative and when you compare to men um, men who are HIV positive at three times risk of uh, getting or rather of being depressed as compared to you know uh, males who are not HIV positive so this actually gives us you know like um, a hint into what the propagating factors are when it comes to like depression and all those things then we also have like a, a broad spectrum of other auxiliary factors, things like socioeconomic uh, challenges. We have, you know, we have things such as a uh, uh, stigma that is associated with um, uh, mental health, the the misconceptions and other things. So um, it's it really is a huge issue that we, you know, um, whoever has some information about, correct information that is, you know, should like try to raise awareness about and try to like find solutions and, um, you know, like workable plans by which we can mitigate the whole issue of uh mental health yeah okay so there was a part where you mentioned that men actually commit more suicide when they're depressed than women how is that especially coming from a point of view where you are a guy and how is like how do you factor that in why do you think men commit more suicide why do you think you guys <laughs> commit more suicide than women oh yeah um yeah that's that's a very that's a very interesting question and yeah um i think one one thing that's actually interesting to see is that um you know like looking at the statistics you'd see that this is actually you know like a trend that is happening like many many countries i i don't remember like you know like looking at statistics where uh, we had more females committing suicide compared to men for example in south africa the same uh, statistics where you have uh, where you had like uh, the 2016 statistics by the world health organization so you have approximately 6,000 people who committed suicide that year and only 1,000 were female and about 5,000 were male. So that's, yeah, that's, that raises a lot of, um, that raises a lot of uh, questions as to why that is happening. Um, and speaking from a guy's perspective, I think there are a number, <laughs> there are a number of factors uh, related to that. And I think one of them is the social cultural, you know, factors. Where um, um, I think sometimes we like dismiss these stereotypes and say no, they do not exist and stuff like that, but they actually do, because uh, maybe we just don't talk about them, or maybe we've reduced a bit on them, especially considering that there there's a lot of information and awareness when it comes to uh, mental health, but. Yeah, I think issues where, you know, like we expect men to be stronger and we expect men to be inexpressive when it comes to um, when it comes to issues uh, regarding you know like their emotions because um like we said initially mental health affects more than just you know more than just your mind but it actually affects you know your emotions and your ability to actually regulate them so i feel like uh in most cases it's either you know like it's either men are not given the you know like the platform to actually express themselves 
you know uh, emotionally or it's because men actually don't see themselves you know like uh, see themselves in a place where they are emotionally vulnerable to another person for example a guy going for therapy because you know yeah therapy because they are having all these challenges and stuff like that so men are actually culturally expected to you know be strong to toughen up and all those things and i think that's yeah that's really one one thing that is um that could be leading to all these cases um yeah so i think yeah the the whole issue of uh the whole issue of you know not having an outlet as well as you know the stigma that is associated with you know like the fact that men are supposed to be strong uh you know when you're a guy funga kulimba you're supposed to be you know tough and all those things i think um it's quite right we may accept it and we may try to like work around it but then when the pressure is too much um i think eventually we tip into you know like such things and yeah that's why we i think that's mainly why we have these these issues of uh, a high rate of uh, suicide cases in males than in females okay so from okay, so thank you for answering that question now i think i have another have another question i think men are also i know men are also like another part of like the problem especially when it comes to like how you guys relate to each other i find that maybe let's say if your fellow guy your fellow friend comes to tell you something and then you dismiss them you just be like ah guy just be strong you know like so i know that's also one of the problems that i think men have to be better at so that to help other men to be able to be vulnerable and whatnot so what about i don't know do you feel like also women in as a whole like do we do you feel like we also have a role to play and what role do you think we can play to make you guys feel more vulnerable to actually be able to open up whenever you're going through something yeah um i think that's that's a very good question um you know like when when you're looking at uh, factors that predispose individuals to you know like uh, eventually you know like developing um depression or just mental health issues altogether we have uh, several factors one of them is genetics some individuals are genetically predisposed to you know like uh, getting into a state of uh, clinical depression or depression altogether but then there's also an aspect of a uh, uh, social cultural atmosphere or a social cultural environment and um i think one thing that is uh you know like one thing that is very important especially that uh that actually shapes how we you know like see ourselves and see our responsibility with regards to societies like you know uh things with regards to uh gender roles and the like you know like how uh for example in our setup i think this is something that most people would actually agree to yeah. uh when you say you know like how females are raised to you know like look after the house and you know like they specifically you know like have to uh you know like bring up the the kids and those things but then uh for like when a guy is when a guy said so much expectation uh with regards to like providing and you know like m- making plans and making solutions for the household is uh i think that's that's a significant that's a significant uh, determinant because for example um when you look at it uh let's say a, a guy he has a family he just started a family he has maybe he has a wife and say one kid and then maybe um he was maybe he was employed and all, and then maybe just like one year into the marriage he eventually loses his job um it's inexcusable to society that you know like he should 
you know like lay off for some time or just just cry. just cry he has to like figure out you know his next plan or his next move and all things and you know like there's sometimes when it's totally justifiable that someone can't just find you know like something to actually support himself and you know it's still like forced back on him to actually find a solution and when you know like again such a solution does not find i mean such a situation does not find a solution he he as well as society will you know like label him as a failure you get it and i feel like there's uh there's something about you know like having a sense of purposelessness that actually you know like uh depletes us of our you know like of our sense of wanting to live or you know like our yeah. sense of wanting to like you know continue existing and all things so i think you know like these societal expectations i'm not saying guys should be lazy <laughs> definitely not <laughs> yeah. but yeah i feel like these you know uh biased social expectations that have been placed on guys really really have you know like a significant uh effect so if we were to say what can society actually do do about this i think there's um there's a need for us to actually you know like blend these these roles um definitely a you know from yeah but, yeah from guest perspective yeah we definitely have to you know like uh, find means by which we can you know like keep the household running or maybe like keep our various programs and 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 issues like running but i feel like we need to have like uh, a blended system of roles by which you know guys ex- uh, you know like not just expected to provide or like providence machines mm-hmm. but they should you know like they should find outlets they should find you know like means by which they can be assisted when they genuinely cannot cannot do so so i think yeah that's that's one thing we can we can possibly do around that that's really good I, okay our director has <laughs> as the director <laughs> yeah i like that i like that providence machines hey yo like they are not providence machines and i feel another aspect i would bring in at this point is the fact that just like Emmanuel has stated, men are raised up to be providers. Like they are taught from an early age to provide for things in the home so that the woman will be able to come and um, lay out the programs and everything. But one thing the men haven't been taught is to find an outlet. Mm-hmm. And because there's so, much, there's so much expectation on them, you find that with no outlet, they will eventually burn out. And just as it is very easy for us women to just talk about how we are feeling and men can't, can't, can't talk about how they are feeling, I feel as though for them, it's not even the fact that society will label them as a failure. They will label themselves, they will label themselves as a failure because of the fact that they can see it themselves, that they've failed to acquire the role that they're supposed to play in the family. And in that aspect, I feel as a community, we should be, we should be kind on our men. Like, we should be kind, because even the Bible says that we, are, we as women are supposed to be helpers. And not uh, us out here waiting for things to be done for us. Yes, this doesn't dismiss the fact that the man has to provide, but it doesn't also make you, it doesn't have to make you a person who just has to leech, leech from them until they burn out and um, can't be able to express how they feel. Like, for example, like what Emmanuel said, um, they just started a home. And 
because as a lady, yo, my ladies will come for me. But as a lady, you want all these things. You want you want the big wedding. You want the the, the glamorous dress. You want the the filanga molilos and the and the kitchen parties. You you want the honeymoon. You want everything from this man that is just starting up. Honey, what are you bringing to the table? What are you bringing to the table? And I feel when we begin to be kind on the other gender, we'll find that even the pressure on ourselves eventually reduces because let's be realistic, guys. I mean, even ourselves, if if the roles were reversed and we found that somebody yeah. is demanding is demanding chocolates <laughs> every weekend from us, and you're just a a student, and you just get a short allowance from your parents. It would be hectic when we think about it. So I feel, as a society, when it comes to he- mental health, we should be realistic. We should be realistic about the expectations that we uh, we have upon the other gender, and the fact that we are also living in a changing world. Mm-hmm. It it comes with different dynamics. It it comes with different. Uh, roles we have to play in each other's lives. So we have to grow with the changing world. We mm-hmm. don't have to lean back in the older habits as the world is changing. So, yes. Good stuff, good stuff, guys. Okay, so... Thank you so much, Naomi. Um, my name is Imano Mkambo. I'm a fifth-year medical student at the Copper Belt University um, where I'm doing a bachelor's degree in medicine and surgery. So I'm also a, a member of the Cortex Club at the Copper Belt University, which is a neuroscience uh, club that uh, raises awareness uh, on issues concerning mental health as well as uh, brain health. So um, um, I consider myself a neuroenthusiast and uh, I'm interested in everything that is brain-related. So, yeah. Amazing. Okay, so our plan today is to actually talk about mental health, mostly because also I actually found out that this month is... Is it suicide? Suicide, yeah. What suicide prevention day? Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. So I thought, like, I mean, why not talk about mental health and just raise awareness on mental health and actually and the topics that relate to mental health? So, what is mental health, Imano? Yeah, um, I absolutely think this is a very timely um, topic to be talking about, especially just like you said, uh, we are currently in the World um, Suicide Prevention Month. And just yesterday was our World Suicide Prevention Day. And yeah, so definitely this is a very timely um, topic. So uh, mental health, according to the World Health Organization, is uh, a state of well-being in which an individual realizes his or own abilities, is able to work productively, and they're also able to, you know, like work fruitfully and add positively to their, um, to their community. So it is not necessarily just uh, the absence of a mental disorder that, you know, like you can tell that this individual actually has, uh, you know, like some condition with their mind or with, yeah, with their mind uh, that you can actually tell that this is a, you know, mental health or a, a mental health issue. But then it's actually much more beyond just, uh, you know, the, the, the mental disorder that we uh, see in uh, particular individuals. So in addition to that, um, I think it's also important that we highlight what mental illness is. So mental illness is um, a disturbance or a disruption in an individual's, um, you know, ability with, with regards to their behavior, uh, their emotions, as well as their, their cognition. So that's like the ABCs, so their af- affect or their affection 
their behavior as well as their um, their cognition. So when we talk about the affect, we are referring to you know like how an individual regulates their emotions. When we talk about cognition, we're talking about you know um, how an, indiv an individual is able to you know like organize their thoughts and actually you know uh, execute critical thinking and high executive planning and all those things. So um, it's it's regarded a mental illness when an, when an individual's ability to actually do these things is significantly impaired. And uh, lastly, uh, I think, so uh, mental health is actually a broad spectrum. So there are so many things with regards to mental illness and uh, mental health and mental illness. So there are things like anxiety and personality disorders and so many things. But I think one uh, aspect that is uh, very important for us to actually talk about is uh, depression. So uh, <clears throat> clinical depression by definition is uh, a, st a state of uh, low mood or a low mood state that is persistent and is associated with things like um, a a loss of interest in in uh you know like activities that an individual was uh, initially finding uh you know like interesting and stuff which is actually called anhedonia or what i like calling quiet quitting so for you know like for clinical depression it you actually need to have like a uh, a certain cluster of symptoms for someone to you know actually be stated or be for for you to actually you know um substantiate that someone has you know has clinical depression because Simply because an individual has, you know, like is feeling low for, say, a few days, does not necessarily mean that they are actually depressed. So there's uh, a criteria that uh, is used for, you know, for establishing that these individuals have uh, depression and these individuals do not have depression. Maybe they're just experiencing a low mood state and those things. So, yeah. Nice. Um, I love that he's actually highlighted that uh, about, <coughs> about clinical depression because that's what our main focus is going to be for today. So I wanted I wanted him to just I want you to just talk about like the trends and the statistics that are happening right now. I think for now, like I think we have we already have information in our hands already. Like social media already shows us how much people are dying and they are committing suicide because of depression and whatnot. So how I just wanted I want you to, to just take us through the statistics of um the trends that are happening right now. All right. Um, thank you very much. So <clears throat> maybe before I can talk about the trends, allow me to just, you know, like highlight slightly on uh, the criteria, the diagnostic criteria I was talking about with regards to <coughs> establishing uh, um, a diagnosis of depression. So um, it is known as the DSM-5, which is a diagnostic and statistical manual for depression. So uh, according to this criteria, you need a cluster or rather a minimum of five symptoms under a cluster of symptoms that have been um, that have been set or that have been established for you to actually have uh, for you to be said to have uh, depression. Mm -hmm. So you need things such as, uh, you know, a persistently low mood state. You need things like anhedonia, which is like a loss of interest in things that an individual is initially finding interesting. You need things like um, uh, sleep disturbances. All right. Sorry, sorry, not you need, but yeah, an individual yeah. <laughs> actually has to, you know, um, exhibit things like uh, sleep disturbances, appetite disorders, um, agitation and other things. So if an individual has at least or rather a minimum of five of these symptoms or signs and they've been persisting for like f uh, a minimum of uh, two weeks which is like 14 days then uh, it's it actually it's substantiated that uh, the person has clinical depression so with regards to um global trends um you know i think i would have to say ahead of time that the you know the the statistics are very very alarming because um, the the numbers are actually very very high, especially when we you know like compare to other conditions that are you know like that we that are a, that are already a public concern. So um, approximately two hundred and eighty million people worldwide are you know 
have depression that is clinically established. And I think that's a very, very significant number. And among these, um, the the most affected uh, gender is actually um, females. Females are actually much more affected with uh, clinical depression or de- depression that is clinically uh, qualified than than males actually are. So uh, between two thousand and between two thousand and five and twenty fifteen, there's uh, there was actually uh, according to studies uh, and statistics revealed by the World Health Organization, there was uh, an increase of about eighteen percent um, in in depression. So the number of people who were, um, or rather the percentage of the people that were actually afflicted by depression increased by 18% just between 2005 and 2015. And when you look at this, this was um, approximately seven years ago. And, you know, like considering the fact that there have been things like COVID and all those things. So we actually, you know, like uh, foresee a situation where um, these numbers have actually, yeah, they've, they've actually increased compared to how it was. And then when you look at... Um, Suicide uh, specifically, which is usually the end result in most cases of, uh, you know, like depression specifically. We have approximately 700,000 people who are afflicted, or rather who end their lives by, you know, by by suicide. Which is, when you actually look at it in context, that's like uh, one person, like one person dying every 40 seconds. So we've, we've, I don't know this, I, I don't know how long this podcast has been, but I think it's been like a few minutes and maybe we can say, so we can, we can say approximately, uh, I don't know how many, I don't know the math here, but over, <laughs> over six people have died. So this should actually, you know, uh, give us a highlight or a hint into how serious this actually is. And then to put it into perspective, so um, suicide or rather the number of people that die by suicide, they're actually more compared to the number of people who die from malaria than the number of people who die from breast cancer or the number of people who die from war or homicide. So this actually tells you how, you know, like how serious this actually is. And um, yeah, and when you actually bring it into context, you know, like when you, oh wait, uh, and as you said, actually, uh, it's, I think it's, it's also important for us to notice that uh, clinical, clinically, we are seeing that uh, women are actually at a high risk of, uh, you know, about two times uh, their risk of uh, having clinical depression is like two times compared to that of men or males rather. But uh, males are actually more likely to commit suicide than we, than females actually are, and uh, yeah, forty. And so, according to like twenty sixteen st- statistics that were released by the World Health Organization, approximately uh, one thousand and fifteen individuals committed suicide in Zambia, and out of these, um, approximately two hundred and ninety four were females, and seven hundred and twenty four were males. So that's, yeah, that's, it shows you, so, yeah, it it should have been 290, actually 291 females and 724 males who, you know, who actually committed. So that's, that tells you something about, you know, like the, yeah, all these statistics and how they eventually, how clinical depression eventually ends. So, um, so bringing it home, like how, how exactly is the, you know, like the clinical depression landscape and yeah, basically the landscape in Zambia. So, um, so clinical depression ranks second when it comes to like uh, neuropsychiatric conditions uh only ranking two or only ranking second uh with respect to uh, mental health issues associated with alcohol abuse and um, uh, drug abuse so that also tells you like how serious of a case it is because um 
of the issues of uh, you know like how serious already the issue of uh, alcohol abuse and uh, and uh, drug abuse is and depression actually just ranks uh, second in in line with that and um so for like some cases and some reports that were made from the uh, from the highest um health institution in Zambia the university teaching hospital um there's uh like depression there was like a 34% uh, um rate of depression and um for most of these, you know, like self harm, self harm uh, uh, cases that were report that have been reported to, um, you know, like to the UTH casualty department, most of these uh, cases are due to, you know, like individuals who were depressed. There's like history of depression. So most individuals that report maybe there was like it's a para suicide case. Maybe like someone who survived suicide, it's because they're depressed. Or maybe someone who like did a self mutilation on themselves. Maybe like cutting themselves. It's usually because of depression. So this just um, uh, substantiates or rather tells us or gives us an idea of how serious this actually is. And then um, in addition to this, when you actually look at uh, depression in Zambia, for example, we also have issues like, you know, HIV and AIDS. Mm -hmm. We have things like TB, which are important auxiliary factors that, you know, propagate mortality or rather that propagate, you know, like uh, death as well as the whole uh, disease issue or the whole illness issue of um, depression so um yeah when you talk about hiv so females for example who are hiv positive are at like four times risk of you know developing depression compared to females who are not uh hiv positive or rather who are hiv negative and when you compare to men um men who are hiv positive at three times risk of uh getting or rather of being depressed as compared to you know uh, males who are not hiv positive so this actually gives us you know like um a hint into what the propagating factors are when it comes to like depression and all those things. Then we also have like a, a broad spectrum of other auxiliary factors, things like socioeconomic uh, challenges. We have, you know, we have things such as uh, uh, stigma that is associated with um, uh, mental health, the the misconceptions and all those things. So um, it's, it really is a huge issue that we, you know, um, whoever has some information about correct information that is, you know, should like try to raise awareness about and try to like find solutions and, um, you know, like workable plans by which we can mitigate the whole issue of uh, mental health. Yeah. Okay, so there was a part where you mentioned that men actually commit more suicide when they're depressed than women. How is that? Especially coming from a point of view where you are a guy and how is, like, how do you factor that in? Why do you think men commit more suicide why do you think you guys commit more suicide than women oh yeah um yeah that's that's a very that's a very interesting question and yeah um i think one one thing that's actually interesting to see is that um you know like looking at the statistics you'd see that this is actually you know like a trend that is happening like many many countries i i don't remember like you know like looking at statistics where uh, we had more females committing suicide compared to men. For example, in South Africa, the same uh, statistics where you have uh, where you had like uh, the 2016 statistics by the World Health Organization. So you have approximately 6,000 people who committed suicide that year, and only 1,000 were female, and about 5,000 were male. So that's yeah, that that raises a lot of um, that raises a lot of uh, questions as to why that is happening. Um, and speaking from a guy's perspective, I think there are a number, <laughs> there are a number of factors uh, related to that, and I think one of them is the social cultural, you know, factors, mm -hmm. where um, um, I think sometimes we like dismiss these stereotypes and say no, they do not exist and stuff like that, but they actually do, because uh, maybe we just don't talk about them 
or maybe we've reduced a bit on them, especially considering that there, there's a lot of information and awareness when it comes to uh, mental health. But yeah, I think issues where, you know, like we expect men to be stronger and we expect men to be inexpressive when it comes to, um, when it comes to issues uh, regarding, you know, like their emotions, because um, like we said initially, mental health affects more than just, you know, more than just your mind, but it actually affects, you know, your emotions and your ability to actually regulate them. So I feel like uh, in most cases, it's either, you know, like it's either men are not given the, you know, like the platform to actually express themselves, you know, uh, emotionally, or it's because men actually don't see themselves, you know, like uh, see themselves in a place where they are emotionally vulnerable to another person. For example, a guy going for therapy because, you know, yeah, therapy because they are having all these challenges and stuff like that. So men are actually culturally expected to, you know, be strong, to toughen up and those things. And I think that's, yeah, that's really one one thing that is, um, that could be leading to all these cases. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, the, the whole issue of, uh, the whole issue of, you know, not having an outlet as well as, you know, the stigma that is associated with, you know, like the fact that men are supposed to be strong, uh, you know, when you're a guy, funka kulimba, mm-hmm. you're supposed to be, you know, tough and those things. I think... Um, it's quite right. We may accept it and we may try to like work around it. But then when the pressure is too much, um, I think eventually we tip into, you know, like such things. And yeah, that's why we, I think that's mainly why we have these, these issues of uh, a high rate of uh, suicide cases in males than in females. Okay. So from, okay, so thank you for answering that question. Now, I think I have another, I have another question. I think men, I was, I know men, are also like another part of like the problem, especially when it comes to like how you guys relate to each other. I find that maybe let's say if your fellow guy, fellow friend comes to tell you something and then you dismiss them, you just be like, ah, guy, just be strong, you know, like, so I know that's also one of the problems that I think men have to be better at so that to help other men to be able to be vulnerable and whatnot. So what about... I don't know. Do you feel like also women in as a whole, like do we do you feel like we also have a role to play? And what role do you think we can play to make you guys feel more vulnerable to actually be able to open up whenever you're going through something? Yeah, um I think that's that's a very good question. Um you know, like when, when you're looking at uh, factors that predispose individuals to, you know, like uh eventually you know, like developing um, depression or just mental health issues altogether. We have uh, several factors. One of them is genetics. Some individuals are genetically predisposed to, you know, like uh, getting into a state of uh, clinical depression or depression altogether. But then there's also an aspect of uh, a social cultural atmosphere or a social cultural environment. And um, I think one thing that is... uh, you know, like one thing that is very important, especially that uh, that actually shapes how we, you know, like see ourselves and see our responsibility with regards to societies, like, you know, uh, things with regards to uh, gender roles and the like, mm-hmm. you know, like how, uh, for example, in our setup, I think this is something that most people would actually agree to. Yeah. Uh, when you say, you know, like how females are raised to, you know, like look after the house and, you know, like they specifically, you know, like have to, uh, you know, like bring up the, the kids and those things. But then, uh, for like when a guy is, when a guy said so much expectation uh, with regards to like providing and you know like m- making plans and making solutions for the household, is uh, I think that's that's a significant that's a significant uh, determinant because, for example, um, when you look at it, uh, let's say 
uh, a guy he has a family he just started a family mm-hmm. he has maybe he has a wife and say one kid and then maybe um he was maybe he was employed and all and then maybe just like one year into the marriage he eventually loses his job um it's inexcusable to society that you know like he should you know like lay off for some time or just just cry. just cry he has to like figure out you know his next plan or his next move and all things and you know like there's sometimes when it's totally justifiable that someone can't just find you know like something to actually support himself and you know it still like falls back on him to actually find a solution and when you know like again such a solution does not find i mean such a situation does not find a solution he he as well as society will you know like label him as a failure you get it and i feel like there's uh, there's something about you know like having a sense of purposelessness mm-hmm. that actually you know like uh depletes us of our you know like of our sense of wanting to live or you know like our yeah. sense of wanting to like you know continue existing and all things so i think you know like these societal expectations i'm not saying guys should be lazy <laughs> definitely not yeah. but yeah i feel like these you know uh, biased social expectations that have been placed on guys really really have you know like a significant uh effect so if we're to say what can society actually do do about this i think there's um there's a need for us to actually you know like blend these these roles um definitely a and from yeah very, yeah from guest perspective yeah we definitely have to you know like uh, find means by which we can you know like keep the household running or maybe like keep our various programs and 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 issues like running but i feel like we need to have like uh, a blended system of roles by which you know guys are exp- uh, you know like not just expected to provide or like providence machines mm-hmm. but they should you know like they should find outlets they should find you know like means by which they can be assisted when they genuinely cannot cannot do so so i think yeah that's that's one thing we can we can possibly do around that that's really good I, okay our director has as the director <laughs> yeah i like that i like that providence machines hey yo like they are not providence machines and i feel another aspect i would bring in at this point is the fact that just like Emmanuel has stated, men are raised up to be providers. Like they are taught from an early age to provide for things in the home so that the woman will be able to come and um, lay out the programs and everything. But one thing the men haven't been taught is to find an outlet. Mm-hmm. And because there's so, much, there's so much expectation on them, you find that with no outlet, they will eventually burn out. And just as it is very easy for us women to just talk about how we are feeling and men can't, can't, can't talk about how they are feeling, I feel as though for them, it's not even the fact that society will label them as a failure. They will label themselves, they will label themselves as a failure because of the fact that they can see it themselves, that they've failed to acquire the role that they're supposed to play in the family. And in that aspect, I feel as a community, we should be, we should be kind on our men. Like, we should be kind, because even the Bible says that we, are, we as women are supposed to be helpers. Yeah. And not uh, us out here waiting for things to be done for us. Yes, it, this doesn't dismiss the fact that the man has to provide, but it doesn't also make you, it doesn't have to make you a person who just has to leech, leech from them until they burn out and um, can't be able to express how they feel. Like, for example, like what Emmanuel said, um, they just started a home. 
And because as a lady, yo, my ladies will come for me. But as a lady, you want all these things. You want you want the big wedding. You want the the, the glamorous dress. You want the the filanga molilos and the and the kitchen parties. You you want the honeymoon. You want everything from this man that is just starting up. Honey, what are you bringing to the table? What are you bringing to the table? And I feel when we begin to be kind on the other gender, we'll find that even the pressure on ourselves eventually reduces because let's be realistic, guys. I mean, even ourselves, if if the roles were reversed and we found that somebody yeah. is demanding is demanding chocolates <laughs> every weekend from us, and you're just like a student and you just get a short allowance from your parents. It would be hectic when we think about it. So I feel as a society when it comes to he- mental health we should be realis- we should be realistic about the expectations that we uh we have upon the other gender. And the fact that we are also living in a changing world. Mm-hmm. It it comes with different dynamics. It it comes with different uh, roles we have to play in each other's lives. So we have to grow with the changing world. We don't have to lean back in the older habits as the world is changing. So, yes. Mm, 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 mm. Good stuff, good stuff, guys. Okay, so 